Slow Burn Media and Evergreen Podcast presents Who Killed, a podcast that provides a voice for the voiceless. Hello and welcome to a special Tuesday edition of Who Killed. I am here to bring you the press conference after an investigation of about 48 hours looking for the nine-year-old Charlotte Cena, and this was in New York, and unlike in a lot of other situations, this case has a happy ending. So we can all sit back and think about how well law enforcement did their job in this particular case. They did apparently have a ransom note that was delivered to their house. Now, police retrieved that. They were able to find a fingerprint, and they were able to connect the dots. Now, this is just another example of good police work right off the bat. Every minute counts, especially in a stranger abduction. As we know, and as listeners of this show know, stranger abductions are the most uncommon, but yet the most common to lead in to death. So... This was a very, very vital, vital investigation, and kudos to the governor who stepped in. That is part of her parameters. She's allowed to do that, and I have nothing but uh, high praise for somebody that is willing to go out there and help lead the search. So kudos to them, and congratulations to the family who does not have to plan a funeral. This is great and amazing news and here is the press conference from Governor Hochul and the New York law enforcement. Good afternoon. I'm joined today by Lieutenant Colonel Richard Mazone, Troop Chief Commander Major Dennis Shager. We also have representation from law enforcement including the FBI. On a picture-perfect fall day here in upstate New York, Charlotte Cena's family and friends gathered for a weekend of friendship and food and enjoying one of the last few days of good weather. They came here to just have an ordinary time. The kids could have a chance to be in nature, have a chance to be kids. And they came to this beautiful scenic state park, Moreau State Park, literally 15 minutes from, from where Charlotte and her two sisters were raised. They rode bikes around the loop road we see. They camped, they cooked out, and they're here to make memories, the kind that last a lifetime. But instead the day turned into every parent's nightmare. I just met with Charlotte's parents, David and Tricia, obviously distraught, And as a mother and as a grandmother, I cannot imagine the pain they're going through. They shared with me how joyful their little girl is. A fourth grader just recently elected to be a class officer for student council. And everybody thought of her as just a really nice girl, the kind that people wanted to be friends with, the kind that looked out for other children, the pride of every parent. So it's a very hard time for her family, 
I'll go through the circumstances of her disappearance and we'll have representation from law enforcement talk about the search. Charlotte was camping with her family here in Moreau State Park. Last evening she went out on a bike ride. It wasn't dark, it was right around dinner time and did a couple of loops with close friends she considers her cousins. And then she decided after going around Troupe, she said she just wanted to go around one more time by herself. Be that big girl, do it by herself. Literally 15 minutes later, she hadn't come back yet. And that's really when the nightmare begins. Her parents knew immediately something was up. They called her name. People started searching. People from other campgrounds joined. And 30 minutes later, at 647, Charlotte's mother, Trisha, called 911. The scene was chaotic. People leaving their food, leaving their tables, just all of her, everyone in search calling the name Charlotte, Charlotte. By 7 p.m., the state police were on site. And for the last 18 hours, 18 plus hours, teams from the New York State Police, dogs, aviation, our bloodhounds are here. The sword operators, our special response teams are on site. New York State Park Police, forest rangers, underwater rescue teams, and drones. We brought in technology experts also to analyze other forms of communications in the park at that time. A command post has been established at the state park right behind us. And additional search teams were deployed this morning. Right now there's over 100 personnel deployed, 75 law enforcement on the ground, the two drones, an airboat search teams, six underwater rescue teams, another boat that has sonar. We also have the Schenectady Fire Office here assisting with the search, given that Charlene is the niece of one of the members of the Schenectady Fire Department. We are leaving no stone, no branch, no table, no cabin, unturned, untouched, unexamined in our search to find Charlotte. We'll keep the members of the public updated. I promised her parents we'll find her daughter. She's all of our daughters. Their family needs love. They need prayers. And if you know anything, if you've seen anything, you hear anything, please contact 911 to tell us what you know and what you may contribute to the search for this little girl. Hearts are broken here today in New York. Hopefully there'll be a reunion. Hopefully there'll be a family that has been traumatized but is reunited. That is our prayer and our hope at this time. With that, let me bring up Lieutenant Colonel Richard Mazone to follow up on our continuing search for Charlotte. Thank you, Governor. Good afternoon. I am Lieutenant Colonel Richard Mazone, Assistant Deputy Superintendent of the New York State Police Uniform Force. Shortly before 7 p.m. last night, state police responded to Moreau State Park in the town of Moreau for a report of a missing nine-year-old female identified as Charlotte E. Cena of Greenfield, New York. Charlotte was last seen at approximately 6.15 p.m. riding her bike in Loop A of the park. At approximately 6.45 p.m., Charlotte's bike was located in Loop A, and at 6.47 p.m., Charlotte's mom, Trisha called 911 to report the child missing. A command pet center was subsequently established at the Moreau State Park office and search teams were deployed, which consisted of New York State Police uniformed troopers, State Police Special Operations Response Team, 
New York State Park Police, Forest Rangers, and our unmanned aerial systems, underwater recovery team, aviation, and canine, as well as several civilian volunteers. A missing child alert was issued last night and search efforts continued throughout the night. In addition to our massive search efforts, our Bureau of Criminal Investigation has been conducting interviews with those in the park and around the region, as well as pursuing all investigative leads. Additional search teams were deployed this morning and an Amber Alert was issued at 9.35 a.m. this morning. I want to thank our state police members, our park police and forest rangers, and all of our law enforcement and community partners for the commitment and efforts to find Charlotte. We continue to dedicate all resources that we can find, that we can, to find Charlotte and bring her home safely. Charlotte Cena is a nine-year-old white female with long blonde hair, is approximately five foot one inch in height, and weighs about 90 pounds. She was last seen wearing an orange tie-dye Pokemon shirt, dark blue pants, black Crocs, and a gray bike helmet. Members of the State Police Wilton BCI will be leading this investigation and anyone with any information is asked to call the New York State Police at 518-477-9333 or call 911. Any updates will be posted to the State Police Newsroom at nyspnews.com. Thank you. If there are any questions, I'll take them at this time. Well. Following our exhaustive search of the park, uh, we, we took that, that step of issuing the Amber Alert because we, we, we felt uh, that after that exhaustive search, when we couldn't find her here, it was uh, quite possible that uh, an abduction had taken place. Well, certainly we, we started at the area that she was last seen and uh, over the course of the late last 18 hours, we've uh, conducted an, an exhaustive search of the park. We've been checking the waterways. As I mentioned, we have our drones and aviation assets looking from above while our teams are on the ground. We uh, had a bloodhound assigned uh, to this area, several other canines. So I, I, I feel confident at this point we, we've conducted a, a search of, of this park and we're going to continue with that while we also uh, search every other avenue. Uh, certainly that possibility exists, yes. Well, I, I really don't want to get into uh, the, the cameras and uh, the, the, the technological aspects of our, of our investigation and our search at this time, but I can assure you, as the governor mentioned, that uh, we are doing everything we can to reunite Charlotte with her family. The case took a very unexpected turn in the middle of the night that actually led to the resolution of this case. And here is the latest press conference from the governor of New York. This gift to all of us, and it is the people standing here with me that remind me why I'm so proud to be the governor of this state. Incredible men and women who were relentless in their pursuit of finding this little girl. Yesterday I held Charlotte's parents in my arms. David and Trish, I went to the campsite. I saw the place that she had just been a joyful little girl the day before, riding her bike, because I was on the road she rode her bike on, saw where she left it. And her parents were just so overcome with sadness and grief. And as a parent, I thought my own heart was breaking. And I said to them, I promise you this, we will bring Charlotte home to you. And as each hour went on, hope faded because we all know the stories. The first 24 hours, there's hope. But when you hit 48 hours, hope starts to wane. But 
when Charlotte disappeared in Murrow State Park, it was every parent's worst nightmare. But I knew I would be able to have assembled the team of individuals who would not stop. And I want to thank at this moment the individuals gathered here tonight and all the men and women across this state that they represent. And the FBI brought in their specialized, trained individuals all the way from Washington to help with this search. But I want to thank Deputy Superintendent Richard Allen, Lieutenant Colonel James Barnes, Lieutenant Colonel Richard Mazzone, Major Dennis Shager, for their work, New York State Park Police, Colonel Michael Dedona, the Office of Parks and Historic Preservation, Chief of Staff Randy Simons, Saratoga County Sheriff's Department, Lieutenant Jeffrey O'Connor, the Schenectady County Sheriff's Office, represented by the Schenectady Police Department, Police Department of Schenectady, Detective Sergeant Bradley Carlton, the Federal Bureau of Investigation acting agent in charge, Alfred Watson, who I met yesterday on site, New York State Department of Corrections and Community Services acting commissioner, Daniel Marticello, New York State Department of Environmental Conservation Forest Rangers, Basil Sagos. As I mentioned, when you hit that 48-hour moment, you realize it's going to be tough and you start thinking the worst. But what happened was extraordinary. The case started to break at 4.20 a.m. this morning when the family's home that was being guarded by state police when the parents were still starting another day at the campsite where they last seen their daughter. 4.20 a.m., the car pulls up to a mailbox. Something is left. State police immediately go to the mailbox and identify what is a ransom note that had been left behind for Charlotte. State police worked diligently trying to find a match for a fingerprint. First one tried and wasn't successful. Second one was to identify any other prints in the New York State database that would be a match. The hit came at 2.30 in the afternoon. There had been a DWI in 1999 in the city of Saratoga. A fingerprint was found that matched what was found on the ransom note. So, a little more research, work, identify the location, and identifying the fact that there was a home they could visit. They found a double-wide house with a woman, the suspect's mother. The suspect lived in the camper behind. They had what they call a dynamic entry, a tactical maneuver, and within the camper, they located the suspect. After some resistance, the suspect was taken into custody, and immediately the little girl was found in a cabinet, covered. She was rescued, and she knew she was being rescued. She knew that she was in safe hands. 
Her parents were immediately notified. This occurred at 6.32 this evening. The suspect, 47-year-old male named Craig Nelson Ross, Jr., is still being questioned. At this moment, charges have not been brought, but they are fully expected. The daughter was transported, her daughter was transported to local hospital, as is customary. And that's all the family wishes to reveal at this time. But they are united. She is in good hands. She appeared to be outwardly physically unharmed at the time. But we'll leave the rest of this information about little Charlotte to her family at a time they deem appropriate. Often these stories don't end up like this. Every second is key. There's a lot of pressure. Split decisions are made. Because you know, not just a life is hanging in the balance, but a little innocent child's life is hanging in the balance. So to the teams behind me, you work quickly. You work with great urgency. You put it together, the puzzle pieces. You're able to track down the location of Charlotte through technology. But ultimately, it was the two SWAT teams, one federal, one state, that landed in helicopters in Boston Spa to rescue Charlotte. Still pretty overwhelming because all of us feared the worst. But I promise Trish and Dave, they be reunited with little Charlotte once again, and she see her two sisters, one 10, one 4 years old. And obviously it's a traumatic event for the family and certainly Charlotte. And we'll continue to keep this family in our prayers as they heal. But she'll be going home. That's the story. Charlotte will be going home. That's all I have to say on the details. Certainly there will be many more coming out with respect to the suspect and how that case will proceed. But I want to thank the media for their intense interest and the 400 volunteers who would not give up if 400 individuals from law enforcement, fire departments, city, county, state, and federal. It was an awesome sight to witness up at the state park yesterday. Everyone doing their job, but also there are a lot of parents out there among the ranks. And everybody thinks, if it was my child, I would want everybody under the sun looking for them. And that's what this team did. So thank you. Thank you, everyone. Any questions? What are Schenectady uh, agencies involved in this case? Charlotte's uncle was a member of the police department in Schenectady. I understand if that's not correct. Someone Fire. correct me. Fire, Fire department. Fire department. Fire department. Was Her the suspect known to the family? It has not been determined that the suspect was known to the family. Who's that? Was Charlotte um, randomly targeted, or did he know? That is what will be revealed after more extensive questioning. 
the vehicle registered to the suspect the address in the database was two miles from charlotte's home but it is not known at this time whether he knew her or had her under surveillance for any length of time sure. governor can you say you said a letter was delivered was it delivered by mail carrier or was it delivered by a third party do you have that information at this point it appears that it was by the suspect himself uh, that he literally drove up to the family's mailbox assuming they were not home 4 20 in the morning opens the mailbox and inserts the ransom note leaving a critical piece of evidence behind his own fingerprint and i would assume the, the car details were also taken into consideration at that point well, there was a it happened very quickly obviously it's dark it's 4 20 in the morning so it's hard to get a description of the vehicle but uh, there was some sense of the type of vehicle at the time when they left so as they're piecing together all the evidence uh, it came together when they did the fingerprint match it leads you to a name it can lead you to a vehicle and that's why we know that uh, he had a home his mother's home is where he was found again double wide trailer mother lives there double wide home he lives in a camper in the back or at least he was there but he also had his name registered uh, to a vehicle uh, and the address was a home two miles from where Charlotte lived. And this just came out of nowhere. He just showed up at 430 in the morning. Apparently so. Tessa, anything? Have you spoken to Charlotte at all or Charlotte's family since she's been found? Uh, I've made a number of inquiries to the family. Uh, this is a traumatic time for them as they're going through, you know, her health, taking care of her health right now. And um, I'll be speaking to the parents soon, as soon as I can. You said there was some resistance with the suspect. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that? Uh, when we made the dynamic entry into the residence, he did um, give our sword operators, our SWAT um, people, some resistance in there. He was taken into custody. He did suffer some very minor injuries, um, but it was relatively, relatively minor, not nothing big on the scuffle. Um, there's still, there's still, I just want to say there's still a lot of searches go underway. The, the home that he was registered to, a lot of information. Uh, and so you want to make sure that he's not connected with any other cases. So that uh, that's why it's a, a still an ongoing investigation. But uh, at this time, there's no evidence of that. At the end of the search, what was the extent like of the search in terms of the scope area that um, you know investigators, searchers were looking at? I'll let you answer, Colonel. But uh, are you asking about at the park? Or the scope beyond the park. I've heard reports that it was beyond the park as well. The original scope of the ground search was within the park. Um, the information we received that took us to Boston Spa was obviously outside the park. We had no search, ground search operations going on outside the park, other than leads we were running down um, that we were developing throughout the two days. Great, thank yeah, you. We're not going to disclose that. What were some of the biggest takeaways from this search? Okay. Up. I would say the biggest thing is you look at all these people behind us. It's cooperation of all the agencies. Um, you know, we don't work in silos. We have to work together to, to accomplish something like this. And you can never be too careful with your kids. You know, pay attention to where they're at, what they're doing. You know, things can happen. In, in an instant you know Charlotte was no more than probably two-tenths of a mile from where she was camping in a small area and she was gone for 
for her to ride her bike around that loop would take her about four minutes, five minutes. You know, see, so you think they're safe doing that at nine years old, but you, you just got to be cognizant and be paying attention to the things around you, your surroundings all the time. You know, these things happen in a hurry, and unfortunately today this, this ended in the right way. Will there be any Thanks. idea on the motive? Will there be any security protocols uh, moving forward at the park? Mm. We'll be doing the after-action report to identify any areas where the state parks can make any improvements. But uh, obviously this is a very random incident, and basically anyone who comes in and out of that park will have come through a certain entryway. Uh, their name is, uh, they purchase a ticket, you have their name in a database, so you know, that is why that's also helpful to identify uh, who's in the park. So that's, that's also, in a sense, a security measure because we always know who's in the park. Did the suspect enter through the main gates? We don't have any, we don't know how the, you know, how the many gates are. two helicopters, the arrest affected by the helicopters or was the ground? The, they, uh, the arrest wasn't done by helicopter. Because of the, the seriousness of this incident, we, we brought in um, sword operators from throughout the state and to expedite this, because obviously it was very time sensitive, we, we flew about 10 of our sword operators from downstate to be here to help with this entry. We had probably, we normally operate about six or eight people on a team. We had probably 20 sword operators make this entry with, with an FBI regional SWAT team. Tell them what the SWORD stands for. Uh, what SWORD stands for is, is our Special Operations Response Team. They are, are like most agencies have a SWAT team. We do that type of thing with our, with our SWORD operators. They're full-time in that capacity, but they also do other things that normal SWAT teams don't do. We respond to high-angle rescue and different things with that team. They're, they're a highly trained, highly capable unit that we use for just this type of thing. This is what they train for. This is what they, they live for. Is to, to make entries like this and, and save someone's life. All right, thank you, everybody. Appreciate it. I have two questions. Does this still affect how Amber Alerts are sent out? Because was there a delay this time? Because a lot of people are asking about that. Is the park back open tomorrow? Uh, we're already back to you on that. I would assume it'll probably be back open, but we'll make sure. We'll figure it out. Any updates tomorrow that we should be aware of? When we have more information, we'll have updates on our, on our uh, website. Um, with this tonight, probably not, but we'll, we'll let you know if we decide to do something. If we have, if we have more information that we can give. This is it's an ongoing, active investigation, so we have a lot of work to do with this so year. were police present at the home when the ransom note was dropped? They were in the area. They were in the area. They were not able to get the vehicle. Thanks for listening to the press conference. It's important to listen to these authorities and what they are looking for in these types of investigations because you as a citizen should know what to look for when it comes to a missing child and what types of things stand out if somebody does go about and abduct a child and how their behavior changes. And again, you never know who is around you. So this was a vital vital case and it is one that provides anybody in the true crime world a bit of hope for all the cases that they've covered that do not get solved and this is a case of law enforcement and all the different law enforcement divisions coming together to help bring this girl home and they did so so this is nothing but 
praise to the police and law enforcement and the governor for stepping up and taking lead of this investigation. It is very cool, very awesome, and not something we get to celebrate very often again here in this world of true crime. So let's just take the victories when we get them and enjoy them. And let's just hope Charlotte is able to recover and not let this determine the rest of her life. Because at nine years old, it is a formative age, and we do not want this to be something that she is stuck with forever. So, kudos again. And as always, I drop new episodes on Fridays. You will get a new episode this week on Friday morning. And until next time, as always, stay healthy and be safe. Three AM, the comedy horror podcast that holds weekly gatherings around the campfire. Let me tell you what you're gonna get. You're gonna hear stories about demonic possessions, prison stabbings, skinwalkers, glitches in the Matrix, cult leaders, missing 411, night marchers, Operation Paperclip, Mesopotamian devil worship, and so many monsters it'll give Kanye West a runaway for his money. Pop and meme culture also aren't off topic. A camp where laughs and scares are constantly competing for first place. We're just a group of friends trying to bust each other's balls, find the best stories, and expand the circle in the process. 3AM, the comedy horror podcast, not for the faint or fragile of heart. Let's go. On the morning of August 1st, 1966, shots ring out from the observation deck of the clock tower on the University of Texas campus. It marks the infamous beginning of the modern era of mass shootings in America. You're listening to Stop the Killing podcast. Join us as we take you behind the crime scene tape to explain global mass shootings and mass attacks. I'm Sarah Ferris, but more importantly, this is Catherine Schweit, the former head of the FBI's active shooter program. I spent five years as the FBI's top executive looking for answers to the mass shooting crisis. I've been at the shooting scenes. I've traced heroic acts of bravery. And I've sat silently and listened to the heart-wrenching stories from survivors. Amongst this horror, there is hope. We all hold the key to stop the killing. You just need to know how to unlock the door. Download Stop the Killing and be part of the solution. Search Stop the Killing on Apple, Spotify and all the usual suspects.